Hey guys, I'm Danny. And I'm EJ. And this is the Your Living Proof Podcast. Where we talk about addiction and how it affects the family, from the brutal to the beautiful and everything in between. Okay, you guys, I am so excited to be back for another amazing episode. I loved our last episode with Jeff Stewart. So if you haven't listened to that one yet, you better listen because he's unbelievable. And don't worry, we're definitely going to have him back. But this week, we have the one and only Smith Alley. There we go. See? That's proper, a, that, was my proper, con- that was my contribution for the proper day. Proper introduction. No soundboard and, used. <laughs> that's right. That was just raw. But we are continuing the important theme of this month. That's right. right? So The most no popular hashtag November. this month across social media is No Porn November. It's really cool. There's two aspects to that. One is it's tragic that that is the most popular hashtag. Right. On the flip side, it's positive that... It's awesome. There's that it awareness is. about this, you know, so you can look at it either way, but we are continuing on that and we do have someone awesome today. So, yeah. So I'm really going to let Smith introduce himself, but I want you to know that Living Proof is about stories of redemption. It's about how people can transform their lives and move forward. And that is exactly why I wanted to have Smith on because he at the ripe age of 18, has already proven to be the type of individual that can overcome. And I want you to hear his story. I know if the first question when people hear this and see him is, are, are you single? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so maybe not ready to mingle, but all right. But single. But single. But, but single. So okay. the antennas okay. are up. Yep. Okay. I'm, I'm currently, um, I'm currently dating my work, but, um, That's cool. and school. So. Great. He's determined, guys. This is good. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Go ahead, Smith. Well, like you said, my name's Smith Alley. I'm 18 years old. Um, I'm a senior in high school. Currently in that phase where I'm just trying to get by. I've got that senioritis coming in. I, oh, yeah. di- I ditch school all the time. Yes. Um, Ditched it today, possibly? Uh, to well, the juniors had the ACT. Oh, okay, okay. So, okay. this is excuse, but... Okay. Yeah, so I'm the founder of the Live Life Bigger Foundation, which is the nonprofit I started, and Protect Strong, which is my company. I help parents set up um, healthy tech and uh, speak all around the country to youth and schools. You're 18 years old, and you've already started your own foundation. And yeah. business. Yes. Say those one more time. Yeah, one well, more I time. I mean, we're going to put, you're going to link all this. I'm going to link everything so that people can find all of your information in the show notes, but say it again one more time. Um, so my foundation is the Live Life Bigger Foundation, and our mission is to inspire, empower, and strengthen teens um, and let them know that there's a life beyond their screens that they can live, that they have potential outside of what they know. And so I do that. And then my company, I help parents set up their tech safely because there's a huge gap where like every parent in this generation didn't grow up with technology, but they're trying to raise kids who are growing up with technology and they just can't keep up. And so me being a kid who was raised with technology, I know all the ins and outs and we'll get more into this about me being a a porn addict and having strict parents. They had all of the restrictions on that stuff and I still got around it. And so I use that kind of Uno reverse card and try and help parents with it. This is going to be amazing. I know. Because this this topic, and I won't interrupt again for at least a few minutes, but I help a lot of people who have addictions to substance abuse, drugs, illicit drugs, prescription medication, alcohol. This topic, not only pornography, but the digital pressures of life, 
it's the universal one, right? That you yeah. can throw out a net and catch everyone, right? Most homes are affected by different addictions. Most homes have someone affected by depression or anxiety, but every single home deals with these things that you're trying to help people understand better and bring awareness to. So kudos to you. Thank you. Yeah. The big thing with that too, is that it's so taboo. Like it's nobody's willing to talk about it. And I was talking with my friend, Rob Eastman yesterday, we went and spoke to a junior high school in a health class and we had them fill out a questionnaire and it says like, what are you struggling with? What was your favorite part of the presentation? How do you cope with the things that you're struggling with? And then rate the presentation. And so many kids, even with mental health, like we think that mental health is this taboo topic, but so many kids are willing to say, yeah, I'm struggling with depression and anxiety through two periods, you know, 50 to 60 kids came through that class. There were two that were willing to say that they've struggled with pornography before. Wow. Where statistically, you know, if half of those kids are are boys and half of them are girls, then 20, 26 to 27 of the boys have struggled and anywhere from 21 to 23 of the girls have struggled. Wow. And yeah. yet they're... And no one's yeah, saying it. And there were two. There were two the whole day that said that they had struggled with pornography. That's crazy. And so, you know, we talk about how mental health is this taboo topic, but really like pornography is the world's biggest secret, but it's a multi-billion dollar industry that's in every single home in across the world, not just the United States. That's what our guest last week spoke on, Jeff, right? And yeah. it's Stewart. Yeah. I tend to pronounce people's names wrong sometimes, but he talked about that being the reason why this just pushes people down into these rabbit holes or these dark places more than anything is the taboo around it that we have a society has made it that way. Right. And that's what causes it to be hidden more to be people are more reluctant to talk about it Mm -hmm. simply because of that. And to progress obviously, because if you don't talk about it, then it just gets worse. Yeah. And I, I saw this yesterday and I'll just mention this and then I'll start with my story. But, uh, when I was in this class, you know, I said, at nine, I was exposed to pornography and I'm Age a porn nine. addict at nine. Yeah. And when I said the words that I had a porn addiction, there were probably half the kids in the class, either their eyes went wide or they turned and whispered to their neighbor. Yep. Oh, and yeah. it just shows how, how scared these kids are of pornography, especially like they're willing to talk about anxiety. And we see this on social media a lot too people will post there's trending reels about anxiety and depression and everything like that, but nobody's willing to talk about porn. So I call it the world's biggest secret. It is. And that's our mantra. You've seen that. Did you give him the sticker? Our secrets keep Mm -hmm. us sick. Yeah. I, I, you gave me two of them at the the benefit. Oh, good. So anyway, a little bit about me. I have two great parents. My mom's name is Sally Alley. So yeah, so she's Ooh. obviously perfect. Yeah, darling. she's an she's this an should icon. Be like in a children's like yeah, famous Sally children's Alley. book. Yeah, wow. And then my dad was in the military for a little bit and now does sales, and he's a great guy. We have a pretty strict household. Uh, I have three sisters, two older, one younger. So raised with all girls, and life was pretty. And normal. he's good looking, ladies. So wow. Again, he knows he has all women. sisters. He's great looking. Okay. He's tall. Okay, let's get back. Let's get back. <laughs> so. Everything, I remember my whole life being normal until the first grade. And um, I walked in, I walked into the first day of first grade and I was just looking swagger. I'll tell you. I um, bet you were. I had a red polo on, um, <laughs> white shorts, white socks, blue shoes. Yeah. Wow. Camo backpack. All right. So I, I let's was. Let's go Brandon. Let's go Brandon. 
<laughs> so I was looking good, feeling good, walk in, sit down at the yellow table, and the teacher decides that we should all stand up individually and introduce ourselves. So it comes my turn, and I get nervous, and I I'd never, like, I don't remember having a stutter before this moment, but I had a stutter when I was a little kid, and I got nervous standing up in front of the class, so I said, ha, 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 my, my, my name's Smith. And I sat down, and this girl from the red table, stupid red table, yeah. turns to me and says, why can't you talk right? And I w- that was the day that I realized that like I wasn't normal, and it was just, boom, an immediate facade. Wow. And, you know, someone, I, I never thought it was a good thing, where my mom saw it as like this cute stutter where I'd grab her face and I'd blink my eyes really hard trying to get my sentences out because I'd be so excited to tell her something. Whereas kids at school were just bullying me for it. And so put up a facade there. And then, you know, throughout elementary school, worked on speech therapy. We saw some development in that. As you can see, my stutter's a lot better. And I kind of became the kid that everybody else wanted to see. Um, I always kind of got made fun of for my size. I've been I've been the same weight since eighth grade. Um, and I've grown like, you know, nine inches. And so I struggled a lot with that. When I was nine, uh, I was exposed to pornography, and that just became like my fix. At nine, yeah. Wow. How did that happen? So I had a little Android tablet that my mom had given me for Christmas, and I was just searching on it one day and clicked on something that I didn't know. I didn't know what what it was, and like just super soft porn yep. popped yeah. up, and. My parents had talked to us, like I said, strict household. My parents were really good about the conversations. We had had probably, you know, over a dozen conversations before this happened about pornography. And so when it happened, like, I, I knew what to do. I knew what I was supposed to do. I turned it off. But yet, you know, being a Christian, um, I still felt like it was my fault that I'd seen this, like, yep. evil content. And so I, I was too afraid to tell my parents. And then, you know, come nine months, a, a year later, um, when I'm just struggling with stuff, feeling bad about myself, like I said, because I already have low self-esteem from being bullied in early elementary, and then, you know, some low self-esteem because of my size and stuff like that. So it just comes back into my life as that fix, as the way that I felt loved, as the way that I was able to feel good about myself. Um, but it was so, you know, anyone who's been into porn or even drugs and anything like that knows that it's just such a temporary fix. And then after leaves you feeling even worse. It's amazing. We call it the double-edged sword Mm -hmm. because at the beginning and you know, parents don't typically like to hear this or spouses that love someone who's suffering at the beginning. It's incredible. Yeah, it is the answer. It's like you found the solution, right? And I've had a problem with both drugs and pornography is it served its purpose at the beginning. That's why people get hooked because yeah. it is amazing. It is giving you what you need. It's taking away the feelings you don't want, but the double-edged sword is it's all coming with a cost. There's, you're going to pay the piper and it's just, you don't know it at the beginning. Yeah. I always say when you buy love from pornography or social media, you're buying love for your brain, but the cost is your heart. And after, oh. after that, like, you know, 45, 60 second, whatever it is, 12 minute high, you're just left feeling worse than you've ever felt before. Yep. That's powerful. You're very wise for being 18. (laughs) Don't cry. Yeah. No, it's amazing. Okay, good. I'm not going to cry. I promise, but keep going. Okay. So, you know, exposed at nine 
at 10 kind of creeps back into my life. I get social media at 11. My parents had given us iPod touches yeah. instead of phones. They felt like they thought that that was a safe bet. So we had Wi-Fi routers at our house and then we had iPod touches so we couldn't use our iPods anywhere else except for our house. So they thought. So I got social media, got super into comparison, you know, depression, anxiety came with that. And my pornography addiction just got worse. I would do a few things so I could sit in my room and connect to my neighbor's Wi-Fi yep. from, sure. from my house. Yeah. And there was there was no filters over there. A few things like that, just getting around it all the time, super secretive, um, always really good at covering my tracks. And then by the time I was 14, I was contemplating suicide. I was um, watching pornography anywhere from five to seven times a day. And in so in my shop class in eighth grade, I had made a plan to kill myself. And then two things happened that, that kind of took me off that edge. The first thing was I found out about Fight the New Drug, mm. um, which is a nonprofit just informing about the harmful effects of pornography. Yeah, someone talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, it made me realize, because for so long, again, being Christian, I just thought that I was a bad person and I was going to hell. And I was like, well, if I'm going to hell, you know, I might as well make it quick. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. that was my mindset. And Fight the New Drug made me realize that I'm not a bad kid, but a good kid wrapped up in bad content. Mm -hmm. And so... I, I found that. And then another thing is in eighth grade, uh, Rob Eastman, this guy that I was with yesterday, came and spoke to my health class. And I realized that other people are broken too. And so didn't end up, you know, going through with my plan. Um, but then a few months later, I got in legal trouble and ended up in a court at 14 years old and wondering where my life had gone wrong. You know, on the outside, I was kind of the perfect kid. I was in sixth grade for my elementary school, I was the student council president. In ninth grade, I was the SBO vice president. Um, always got good grades, super smart, played sports, in ch had church callings, everything like that. And so kind of just wondering where my life had gone and whether or not I could overcome this. And so that was really hard, sitting in front of a judge at such a young age. And so that was kind of the turning point. As, as you can, as you might think... Um, Oh, I, I can imagine too. Yeah, yeah. That's a, not a good situation to be in. And that day, that day was awful. And when I think back to it, I thought my life was ending that day. Mm -hmm. I thought my world was over, but me and my parents reflect on that day now. It's the beginning. As the beginning, the yeah. best day of our lives. Yeah. Because that's the day that you can, you can point at it, you can name it and you can fight it. And so that night, obviously, so that day my parents checked me out from school. They were like, Hey, the police contacted us. Everything, you know, crap hit the fan, as you might say. Drove home. It was, I think, the second time I'd ever seen my dad cry uh, in my whole life. And so that happened. And then came home. I went to lacrosse practice to just try and get some of my anger out and, you know, wrap my head around things. And then that night, my mom came down to me. She grabbed my face and she said, Smith, I'm going to fight for you, but you have to fight for yourself first. And that was just the beginning of I'm going to, I'm not going to follow the path that this leads down. I'm going to turn around. I'm going to go where I want to go. I'm going to become who I've always wanted to be. And no one's going to stop me from that. Mm. Wow. Your stories are so similar. So similar. The things he's saying, huh? Like yeah. those moments. And I had that same moment with my father that you had with your mom. And, you know, they, they'd pleaded with us before, but it was at that moment where they know this is a pivotal time. 
Like yeah. you're either going to die from this or you're going to have a story of redemption and I'm here to support you, but it hinges on your desire. Yeah. You know? Wow. I just want to say something. My wife, are you, wow. She is literally probably feeling like every other woman and mom out there very touched. I'm not going to claim any facts, but I'm going to tell you based upon my experience being shoulder to shoulder with so many people suffering exactly like you were maybe even having gone a little bit further down the road with their substance abuse. This is not a story that is unique. The uniqueness is your redemption and who you are today and the strength you've found because of what you've been through. But Smith's story is where every young man starts that I've ever worked with every single one, every single one, feeling the same feelings you had, the same pressures you had, being exposed to things at a young age, and it just continues to unravel quickly. So every mother listening, every father listening, this is not a story of the minority. This is what most young men, especially, and I won't speak for the young men but or the young women, but most of the young men in today's day and age experience these same exact things. They are faced with it with pornography, they will be exposed to it. No matter what we have, we have a presentation we give and we always say, you know, there's no firewalls or software that can protect you from this. It's truth telling conversations. It's creating an environment within your home where you have a safe place to talk about things. But this story is becoming the most predominant story for young men in our society. It is. And, and young women. Statistics say, I read a statistic that said 62.3% of young women are struggling with pornography. Yep. So it's the majority both ways. Yeah. That's, that's wild. Like yep. that's crazy because you don't hear about it. Yeah. No one's talking. I, about I was recently, maybe I shouldn't share this, but I'm not really good at. You should. Okay. Recently was working with someone, helping them through a situation. And I'll just generalize this. They have a, a position as a religious leader breaking down emotionally to tell me that they had just recently discovered a whole slew of young ladies that they help oversee had been at a very young age, 13 years old, and this is here in our community, all been viewing pornography because, and what they had done, sorry, is they had started experimenting in same-sex activities with the girls, girls to girls, because they had been told, informed, and overheard that boys like that. So they started watching it because boys like it when girls kiss. And so at that young age, they're now experimenting with these things because of what they've been exposed to. And you know what's funny is I always tell this story. I was a little bit older than you, but my first experience was not as easy as yours. Mine required a group effort, man. Let me paint this picture. I had a friend and his dad was a mechanic and we knew that he had Playboys, right? Magazines, paper. Yeah. It required four, one person to sit there between the curtains with their eyes out the window, making sure that dad didn't come back. Meanwhile, he's yelling, case clear. And then two are lifting up the end of dad's bed. And then the other one's on their ground sliding this big trunk out. He had this trunk that was full of different things. And inside there was a magazine. Four of us, right? All of this effort, lifting a bed, being on the lookout, just so we could open this magazine and see on a piece of paper, a naked girl. All of us were there together, right? So we all had that experience. But having that experience alone is even different. Well, and now within five seconds, I can can watch hardcore Virtual, yeah. on, virtual, on interactive, yeah. virtual. <laughs> so, times are not the same. I mean, we should have been talking about this 25, 30 years ago, and we're finally starting to talk about it when the accessibility and availability of this stuff is literally everywhere. Yeah. 
I want to add, you know, you were talking about the majority story. That's, that's the only reason why my message is powerful is because kids can relate to me. Yep. And every single room that I walk into, there's every kid can, can relate to my story in some way. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, when you have a parent or even like a certified tech safety, you know, whatever, come into a school, kids, kids don't relate to that. No, nope. all right. they see is their parents Tune talking down to them. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the only, that's where I get my source of power. Yes, I'm knowledgeable. Yes, I'm well-spoken, but where I draw from is that I'm relatable. I'm, you know, 18, still in high school. I know what's cool. I know what's not cool. And my story, people have lived. Yeah. And so I draw a lot of power and I draw a lot of, you know, I point to that so much. And I've seen that help kids over and over again. Yeah, absolutely. What questions do you have? Because I have some, but ladies well, first. I, I just want to know, like, if you're talking to parents, what are you telling them? Like, hey, this is what. This yeah, what is are like, maybe the top couple things? What can you do? The first thing or is. What should you do as a parent? Right. The first thing is get over yourself. This is your kid. It's unbelievable how many parents are like, no, not my kid. We <gasps> don't need that. So, so when I started ProTech Strong, I was going in home, doing consultations where I'd go in, help them set up their tech, help them create media gu guidelines, foster a, a discussion there. And I was like reaching out to all of my parents' friends. Hey, I'm doing this service. You have kids this age. Do you want, do you want this? They're, they're like, not like, my kid. Yeah, no, that's not for us right now. We don't need that right now. Two months later, they're calling my parents at, you know, 1130 at night, just frantic. We just found out our kids been watching porn for two years. We need your help right now. And we're like, we told you this. We, <laughs> yeah. we told you this months ago. This is so crazy because this is legitimately what my husband, his exact experiences with everything. Oh, no, we're okay. Like every we, we've got it under control. Things like, just we're, got we're, a little out of hand yeah, for a minute, but, but they're good. really good. Yeah. We, don't, we don't need any help. I'm like, you guys were raised in the 80s. I'm like, yeah. you guys are dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> you're like you need my help Wait a yeah minute. that 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 would be me that's okay and you embrace did that hurt a little it's did it sting <laughs> i'm like i'm full i'm fully embraced like i'm like yep that's right <laughs> danny's still trying to live his lacrosse days <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> so that's number one get over yourself yeah. this is in your home yeah it's i mean the internet is anxious to show your kids pornography so just get over yourself this is you yeah and then the second thing would be find help because you can't do it by parents, yourself yeah, yeah, yeah. Pa parents do not have you literally don't have enough time in the day to make money to provide for your family to take care of yourself to keep your house and yourself clean to keep your kids alive and to make sure that they're safe online yeah, yeah. that requires that's a good thing to hours in a day. yeah so get help from someone else who knows yeah who's experienced it too yeah they're trying to go off of something that they can't really relate to because no, like us prehistoric dinosaurs like myself, it was different. It was different. Yeah. It was yeah. So much I love that. less. <laughs> and that's what you do offer through your, your company, yeah. Protect Strong. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is like, I'll go to parents and they're like, oh, don't worry. We have screen time set up. We have screen time set up. Mm -hmm. We're all good. I'm like, let me show you in 10 seconds how I can get through your yeah, like, screen time. Yeah, yeah, I will. I will prove this to you that this is not enough. Yeah, and so, you know, there's things like that, and so that's the second thing: get help because you cannot do it yourself. Yeah, and then probably the third thing is to take care of yourself too. Whenever I'm working with parents, I tell, uh, you know, usually I'm talking to the moms because dads at work, whatever. I tell the mom, 
this is hard for you too. And I need you to understand that and get resources for yourself because yep. you can't do this for yourself. Yeah. When you're trying to help, you know, a son or a daughter get over pornography or any, any problem, you're carrying a burden on yourself that you shouldn't have to. And so um, being able to find a support group or a support system anywhere where you can talk about what you're going through is crucial. That way you can also find tips of how other people are dealing with it. Yeah. And so I think that's, that's, that's a crucial thing. Well, they always become unhealthy along with their loved one. You know, yeah. they may not be indulging in pornography with them or smoking meth with them, but they become unhealthy as well in the process. Yeah. And it's important for them to get healthy. That's really good. Yeah, that's what, awesome. Do you have another question? Um, well, okay. I watched one of your at your UCAP. Okay. Um, yeah. in the spring? speech. Yeah, I was. I watched that, and I loved what you said, and you called it the Smith special. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted you to tell our audience what that is. So I think it's really important to let teenagers know that they need to let their heart break, um, because in every sense, in every aspect of life. Even without saying the words we've been told to not cry and to be strong and to not be weak. You know, in athletics, we're told to walk it off, shake it off, suck it up. Mm -hmm. And that's just ingrained in our in our brain. And it's not okay. And so the Smith special is to go into your parents' room at night, crawl into their bed, cry while my mom scratches my back and asks me what's wrong. And, you know, I do this. I do the Smith special at least once a month. Um, nice. And just being able to get your emotions out and it's important to know that crying doesn't solve anything, but it's important to cry so that you can feel your emotions. Right. And being able to and sit to know with, it's okay. Yeah. And to know that it's okay to be broken. And so that's really important. And then kind of a secondary thing that I didn't mention at UCAP is once you're done crying, get up and fix your life, stand up and do what you need to do to get better. And that's a crucial message because if we just cry about everything and right. then don't put any action behind it, what's going right. to happen? But I love the vulnerability there that you're willing to share with your parents because that's what I think like at a, at a young, young age, if we establish that and continue it, then maybe when nine-year-old Smith saw what he saw, he might maybe have leaned into that yeah. more. I mean, do you think? Yeah, definitely. I I was very scared of my parents when I was growing up. And so I was I was nervous to let them know that, you know, I was involved in those kind of things. And, you know, the other thing is it's understandable, parents, that your kids do not want to talk to you about pornography. Sure. I have never, right after I watched porn, went and told my mom, Mom, five minutes ago, I, I watched porn. Yeah. And so what's important is to push them to find a support system that they're comfortable with. And I've found Where they this, can say those yeah. things quickly. Yeah. And I've gone to this recovery group, Sons of Helaman, for four years now. And I still go every single week. And it's so empowering to be able to talk to other young men who know what's going on with that and who know what the struggle is and who are in that right now. And so when I, when I mess up, when I slip up, I call it losing my battle. When I lose a battle, I don't go and talk with my parents. I go and talk with the boys at I, you know, I text them or I talk with them at the group and then I'll go to my parents and I'll say, here's what I need you guys to, you know, I need to bulk up my restrictions. Right. And then I'll go on their phone, bulk up the restrictions and then continue on, move forward. Yeah. That's, I, that's I think amazing. too, in our community, it's important that that dynamic that you just shared is needs to also be implied with your religious leaders. Sure. Yeah, right. They are not the, the solution at the moment. Mm -hmm. 
they are a source of help and will ultimately give you some very powerful tools. Yeah. However, in the beginning, you need a support group that you can relate to. And right? ongoing. And ongoing. And yeah, I'll, I, I get this a lot where people are like, I'm working on it with my bishop. Yeah. What, what kind of professional experience does your bishop have? Yeah, and that, that, one, that one makes me the most upset, to be right. honest. And it's not because I don't love bishops and know that what they do is absolutely critical. Right. But it's exactly what you just said. I'm like, that's awesome. I'm really glad you're working with them. Are you also working with a professional in the field? Yeah, it's like, it's like they walk in. It's like that video that's trending right now. They walk in and they're like, holy spirit, activate. <laughs> yeah. uh, like that doesn't yeah. work. Yeah. And yeah. so me... With my relationship with my bishop, I go in, you know, I believe that he's my judge in the Latter-day Israel. Right. And so I tell him everything that's going on. And he's like, all right, you know how to go fix it. You know, yeah. go get the help that you well, need. They, here's the important thing. They are extremely critical in helping you heal. Yeah. Right. Emotionally and spiritually. Heal. But healing comes after you go to fight. You stand shoulder to shoulder with your brothers in arms, so to speak, mm -hmm. where you feel strength from and you also give them strength like it's a, a group that you relate to yeah absolutely that you know what i have to retract back to that smith special i i gotta share something real quick that happened this morning there's a young man that i'm mentoring who's been through a lot of similar things that you you've gone through and the ability to do exactly opposite of what's been ingrained throughout your life and that's to crawl in your bed with your mom let her scratch your back and share your emotions i never knew how to do that and i don't know a lot of men who do Recovery teaches you how to do that, yeah. how to be, how to be able to sit in your own feelings and know that it's okay. Cause most of us, when we had those feelings like you did as a young man that you didn't want those unwanted feelings because of being bullied or worrying about your stutter or your physical appearance, you found power from looking at pornography or a distraction or something, a temporary relief over time. Addiction teaches us that that's the coping skill. That's how you deal with life there. So there's this young man I've mentored. He's four months into recovery. And he's doing incredible. And so th this morning when I spoke to him, I just wanted him to feel, I just wanted to relate to him. And so I told him, I said, Hey man, I hope you have a great day. Yesterday was a tough one for me. I actually was feeling a little depressed and I don't know why. I don't know what brought it on. I just know that I was, I was having a difficult time. I want you to know that's normal. Even when you feel that way, it's okay. And he sent me this text back and he says, yeah, I know what you're saying. It's one of those less glorious sides of acceptance. Never fun when your best move is to just accept and wait for the time to pass. But sometimes that's all you can do besides talking about it with someone is know and have confidence that it will pass. That's strong. And so it shows how far he's come in his recovery and what that's taught him that, yep, there are unwanted feelings at times and it's okay. Yeah, I it's love okay. that. And I loved also what you mentioned in your UCAP, which was, you know, there's going to be a void. When you take something out of your life that doesn't belong there and you're doing it willingly, you need to actively fill that void with something good. Yeah. And not just expect to like white knuckle like, oh, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. But actively feed that need for, you know, distraction or whatever with something that actually helps you. Yeah. Something and we're, good. We're creatures of action. And so we always want to be doing something. If you're not doing the thing that you're trying not to do. If I'm trying not to watch porn, I have to fill that that action with something else. Yep. Right. Right. Yep. And that with was a significant so effort. Yeah. Okay, I gave you two questions, and I know. Sorry. 
our time's getting limited here. No, it's really not. Well, my attention span is. Okay, <laughs> let's just be real. ADHD um, is real. Gosh, you're incredible, Smith. I, I feel I do feel a little bit older today than I felt in a while, but that's okay. It's okay. There's some advantages to being this age. Mm-hmm. I'm comfortable in my skin. Mm-hmm. I get to be with someone every day that I am attracted to. Great. That's a benefit. Yeah. But there's a lot of financial burdens too, so don't grow up, man. I said something earlier and I just want to repeat it again. I know from personal experience that this situation that you've talked about overcoming and that you are in recovery from, I promise is the majority. I promise this is the majority of what every single family is facing. Not every single family is facing the same things, but this one universal topic, and it could be either or both exposure to pornography or the impacts and pressures, the crushing pressures that people feel from comparison and social media, right? They kind of fuel people right down the same tunnel. One, one fuels the other. Anytime someone goes to a treatment center for a substance abuse, they always talk about cross addiction, right? One thing fuels another. And so it's helping to understand what, what was fueling, right? It's like, if you have a problem with cocaine, cocaine is not the problem. It's what is missing, what hurts, you know, right. that cocaine feels for you. I just know that this story affects every single home. So I really hope, I, I hope this episode just goes worldwide. I mean, where are you at, Joe Rogan? Because this needs to be put out on a national level so people are aware of you, Smith, and, and hear this message and know that whether it's today in your day and age or during the prehistoric years of my day and age, mm-hmm. they, they're the same challenges. They're just more accelerated, more advanced. They have more power. They're more easily obtained. They are readily available where these things a long time ago were more difficult to come across. So what if if someone's listening, they're like, Oh my gosh, I want more. I want more. Like what can they do to find you, follow you, like stay in touch with you? Yeah. Um, I'm on Instagram at live.life.bigger. That's my nonprofit. And And we'll link, you'll link that too, right? Absolutely. And then, yeah, these will all be linked. So my website's www.livelifebigger.org. You can contact me through that. It'll send me an email and then I can email you. But yeah, that's, that's me. Okay. Can I ask you one more thing? And it is, if you could sit in a room with yourself at 14, what would you say to that boy? How about propose it this way? What if you, in a few years, had a 14-year-old boy and you got, that was going through exactly what you did. And yeah. so as his father, you were able to look at him. I mean, and you can chew on it because I start preparing myself for that. As my kids are growing up, I'm like, well, how am I going to let my experience benefit them? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I hope I have, you know, at least 18 years to refine this, but. Um, <laughs> you do. I don't know. <laughs> the more he gets out in front of these ladies, yeah, you I'm can like, get I, I don't know snatched 18, right up. Kind of funny thing. At this school yesterday, one of the questionnaires, the girl wrote on the bottom, Smith is hot and t- <laughs> turned it in yeah. like that. Yeah, Great. Um, Great feedback. I think, I think the most important thing to know is that your life is yours. And this is crucial for me because the day that I realized that all of the choices, all of my consequences, all of my actions were on me, that's the day that I started, I started to change them. When I realized that time is neutral and also that your worth, your worth is already defined. Um, I'm a Christian. I believe that my value is set because Christ died for me. My worthiness changes. So there's a difference between worth and worthiness. My worth will always be the same. Nobody, my, my worth is invaluable. And then realizing that, that the choices I make are mine and I get to do whatever I want to. 
and telling my son that whatever you put your mind to, you can accomplish. You don't need anybody but yourself. At 14, I never would have thought that I'd be sitting down here in four years running two companies, doing school and college, and you know, I ride my motorcycle across the state of Utah. I never would have thought I'd be doing these things. I never would have thought that I'd have the relationships with my parents, with my sisters. For so long, my sisters were like my biggest enemies. And now my little sister's my best friend. And so realizing accountability, you know, I think a lot of the time as, as a 14-year-old kid, I was told that if I make a bad choice, I, get, I have to deal with the bad action. And yeah. I was taught that accountability. I wasn't taught the accountability that if I decide to make good choices over and over and over, I'm going to be blessed and I'm going to have to deal with the good consequences. Yeah. Yep. That's so powerful. It's I, empowering. I just love, yeah. And I, I love that you, you were in, you were buried. You were buried. You were considering suicide. Yeah. I mean, you had planned, planned it. You, you were in the darkest dark and you have climbed out at an exponential rate. Like, I'm like, it's only been four years. Like, that's amazing. Like, you have literally done everything you've set out to do, plus probably 10 times more than you ever anticipated. And that's what's amazing to me is every, I realized that every goal that I set a year ago, I've reached and done more. Yeah. And it's not because, like, like I said, I'm nothing special. I'm the everyday story. And I'm just... I'm just an example of when you put your mind to something, when you work hard, when you choose love over hate, you can accomplish anything that you want. Yeah. My sponsor, I when I got into recovery, my sponsor had some words of wisdom. He said, hey, your life will become incredibly beautiful if you just get the hell out of your own way. Get out of your way. Quit self-sabotaging your life. Yeah. And it happens. And go. And I, I, I do want to share. It's empowering. What he just shared, you know, if you could speak to yourself as a 14-year-old boy, I had that experience with my boys. Um just this week, they are 11 years old and eight years old. And at bedtime, one of them says, Hey dad, these people that you help with drug addictions or drink alcohol, what's wrong with them? Like, why would they do that? And you know, they're thinking about times we've been on vacations or trips where they see people on the side of the road who are just yelling at nothing and right. you know, out, of their, out of their minds. They're like, what's wrong with them? And it was a very powerful moment that at their age, I stopped and addressed it. And I said, nothing. I said, you want to know how it gets to that point is it starts somewhere. And I told them how in the beginning, a lot of people find that drugs and alcohol are incredible. They make you funny. They make you giggly. They make you feel warm and fuzzy. They make you feel excited, alive and alert. But that right there, boys that you're looking at and you're so concerned about that scary image that you've had is where it all ends up. All of these things began awesome. They are exciting. And I think it's empowering. Had I known that as a boy, it would have kind of changed my outcome. It, I did not make it taboo. I told them that in the beginning, it's awesome. And we've talked about this with pornography with them. In the beginning, it's enticing, incredible, appealing. There's a shock factor. It's, it's stimulating. But knowing that this is where it ends up for everybody and for a kid to know that, oh, okay, I might need to avoid that just so that I don't have this outcome in my life. That's a different situation than just wondering, what it is and no one's talking about it and no one will help me understand it. Right. Right. Well, and every, every crisis that we're facing right now, whether it be substance abuse, pornography, depression, anxiety, eating disorders, they're all just tumors. Yep. And they're tumors of what's really happening inside. And that's just our hurt. Yep. Hurt people, hurt people. 
Yeah. Yep. I, I wow, man. This that. is like Living Proof 2.0. We just have another success story, and we've been blessed today, right? I know. And Smith, you have to come back. Say yeah, you will. I will. I, okay. will. I have okay, a lot good. more questions, too. But Yes. But you will want to follow Smith. Look in the episode notes. We're going to link everything that he talked about, his company, um, how to find him, how to connect with him if you want to hear him, him speak. And... Thank you, Smith. And like he said, if, if you're facing any of these issues in your home, whether it be you or your loved one, you need help and support. So find out, reach out, and get that help so you can get started. You're a Amen. stud, man. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Smith. Thanks for having me. <laughs>